Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, quick story. I'm in a jacket and it's like 26 degrees today, 25 degrees today. My lovely wife makes the air conditioner 19 degrees every single night and it freezes my office. So question in my mind is, are all of our podcasts just going to be me in jackets? Because <laughs> I've got no other solution. I got no idea. I was actually wondering if this guy's like trying to do some sort of sauna suit. Like, he's like, I'm like, is this some new health hack? Like, is he trying to like get these heat shock proteins working or something? Because I am roasting tonight. And I suspect you're in shorts. I'm in pants with socks on. Just put it out there. It, I am it, in shorts. It'd be cold. Now, for anyone else, if you want to be cold with me <laughs> and actually get notified every single time we release an episode, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your lovely details and actually interact with us. We do like it when you reply back to the emails. Now, before we get started, Charlie, let's cue your disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, something has been keeping me awake at night. Oh, no, it's the possums in the roof. No, but I will say, last night, I actually thought Jack had escaped his cot. I thought this is the moment where Jack's worked out how to get out of bed during the night. So for anyone who has kids or is thinking about this, there's this moment that my mom has told me about and many other parents is like, you're going to hear a thud one night, and that's when your child has worked out how to get out of the cot. Right, and then from that point, you go into beds and whatnot. Anyway, I thought that was last night. It was actually a possum. <laughs> Jack was sound asleep. So we just had this like loud-ass possum stealing fruit from our fruit tree. And then the boom. Roof. <laughs> <laughs> what about my guess? There you go. See? It's pretty close. It was actually pretty close. Was there a second thing that was keeping you awake? Well, now that I think about it, a few things have been keeping me awake. <laughs> but uh, this one I think is probably more relevant to the people who listen to this podcast and why they came here, though. It's about how to level up in 2023 because I'm I'm not done growing. Like I want to level up in many areas of my life. I suspect you do too. Definitely. The day I stop leveling up will be the day I get put six feet underground. So I have this belief, Grant, that I'm always the limiter. So it doesn't matter if it's business, investing, health, Wealth, relationships, all of it is that fundamentally I will only be able to go as far as well I can, right? All of those areas are going to be limited if I don't develop myself further. That is a fundamental belief I have. Now, to add a layer to this though, because I think every business owner agrees with that, right? They get that they need to level up so they can level up their business. What is really fascinating to me is when you look at things in hindsight of why do some people level up so much more quickly than others? So if I was to look back to like, I was in a mastermind group like 10 years ago and it was a really good group of people, roughly all at the same stage and level, the same rough incomes, consuming the same knowledge. But if you were to look to today, vastly different positions, Mm. vastly. Like the gap is not a little bit, it's a lot. 
And you could say the same thing about like, you know, people you went to high school with. Like it's really interesting that if you look to your year level, some people will have done things that are, you know, they've grown immensely. Like end of high school was just the beginning of their education and level up. But then for others, they just stopped growing completely. Yeah. That's that's where they kind of went, nope, pulling up stumps. Why why you feel that is like, but because I think it's in every single layer, right? Like you've seen it before where you and I will read the same book and you'll interpret it a very different way to how I'll interpret it. Or you'll see two people go through like a program or a seminar or something and like they will land in vastly different spots compared to previously. Like why do you, why do you feel that is? Yeah, so here's what's the fascinating part that really has been keeping me awake. I suspect every business owner knows it's like, oh, if you want to level up, like what you should do is like maybe get a mentor, maybe read some books and do a course on a topic, like maybe get a, you know, a new network grant. If you just hang around people with that network, like everyone's heard the stuff that, and by the way, that works, but the interpretation and application of that thrown in with the mindset I'm going to go with. All right, I'm going to say that fundamentally it's really interesting how if you, you know, the point you made about you give two people the same set of books yep. or the same book and one person's like, wow, this changed my life and they do a lot with it. And then the other's like, I already know this. I don't need to really take this information in. And it's like you just set yourself up not to grow from anything because yep. you weren't open-minded to information. But anyway, the point being is it's the application of these things. It's how we approach these things that I makes, I think makes the fundamental difference. The, the level that sits underneath it, like the – the willingness to absorb it. It's like you can't, yeah. What is it? A full sponge doesn't absorb water, but who perceives that the sponge is full? Okay, that's my sage moment, Charlie. Drop the mic. Let's finish the episode. That was, that was, it. you can have that one. <laughs> it's like a metaphorical sponge, though, because like, like a sponge clearly has a limit, right? <laughs> like if I go to my kitchen right now, there'll be a sponge and like physics plays a role here. Grant. This is not it's an not, episode. It's not an interpretation. This is not an episode to pick apart my metaphors. Like, <laughs> This is you should have just accepted it, moved on to the next point. Wait, just, can, we, can we pause the podcast? I feel like I want to go to my kitchen right now and see what, what my how full the sponge is. So, hang on, wait. do you have a metaphoric sponge sitting around there, Charlie? Like, no, I think it's a conceptual sponge, right? It's a conceptual sponge. Have you ever but had even someone even just say something and you just accept it and just go, I'm not going to pick this apart and just accept I understood what you meant? Like, or you just, you just got to shit all over it all the time. I don't want to. We did some episode prep, and I don't actually want to steal one of the future points from this. But I would make the case that if your life is too busy because you've put too much stuff in it, there might not be room to level up. Like a sponge. That's it. That's what we're going to apply. <laughs> when we get there, I'm going to put it in. <laughs> Let's get the first. Is your sponge too full? <laughs> it's outrageous. Oh, that is outrageous. All right, well, to give the listeners some insight as well, like we, we normally record this podcast about, I'm going to say it's nearly two hours earlier than it is. we do or it is right now. And the reason for that is that in preparing for this, we had so many deep conversations about how this applies to us and how we're going to do it. And it was endlessly fascinating. So we've ended up making a list here. And we're going to go through this list because I, I truly believe that how you apply these points we're about to talk about in the concept of leveling up will be the difference. Like everyone knows the stuff. We know the answers. Like just let people know with weight loss. It's like, cool, eat less, move more. Works. <laughs> yep. How you apply that as a concept, um, very, very interesting. 
So do you want to kick off point one? I've been a bit of a mic hog so far. No, totally, totally. And I'm just throwing out some amazing metaphors and analogies for us just so everyone can relate to it, Charlie. All right, I'll just keep doing that. All right, so the very, the very first one, uh, which is just a solid reminder because personally I find myself a lot of the time when I'm looking at how can I level up, I start jumping into areas where I think I've got deficiencies, right? So obviously I'm running a business and I'm like, well, if I want more revenue, maybe I should get better at sales, maybe I should get better at uh, marketing, maybe I should reduce costs. But the better first question, if we were to go back to what first principles, is like, well, what's the goal I'm actually looking for? <laughs> like having more revenue or having less costs might not actually help me get closer to the goal, which could be more time with my family, right? So the actual point is that realigning yourself or actually redefining what your goal for the year is from a wealth perspective or from a whatever perspective is the best first step. Or otherwise you could, as Keith Cunningham says, run enthusiastically in the complete wrong direction and get to the end of the year and just go, huh, I'm still a full sponge. I love we brought Keith into this episode already, right? It's, we should really keep a tally of that across all the episodes. Is it take but a that, shot? That's so true. Take a shot every time you hear the, the name Keith Cunningham. <laughs> quick, quick sugar coffee here. <laughs> Some people <laughs> drinking games. Um, Great. Yeah, the, the vagueness though, that, that's such a good example because if you're, if you're uh, looking at that, you could be doing marketing courses in your example, but what you actually need to be doing is a time management course yep. that might actually make the difference in you being able to spend time with your family. But if you're vague in what you're trying to achieve, well, then how would it be possible for you to even pick the right areas to level up in or know that you're being successful at it? Yeah, where's the feedback loop? Because if you got su- if it's super vague, then you could always win or you could always fail because it's just your interpretation of where you tilt your head to say, oh, yeah, I did make a bit more revenue, didn't I? As opposed to you know, I hit that million dollars, for example. I enjoy having a specific goal because it takes – all the like extra thinking out of it. Yeah. Like when the goal is specific, it's really easy to determine the actions. So like in your example, it's like, all right, if I want to spend more time with the kids, it's like, great. Now you can really like plan out what activities might achieve that. But when it's like, oh, I want a better business, then it's like, oh, then it becomes all confusing on which activities to take. Yeah. And it's, but it also helps you define your priorities. And we've spoken about themes and seasonality and things like that before, right? Like if you're if you're stepping into 2023, <clears throat> and again, just being transparent, like I might, like Hazel and I are looking to potentially get pregnant and have a kid. Might come out in 2023, might be 2024. Are you announcing that on the podcast? I got no idea, dude. I changed. Hey, what? Who's going to hold me to anything, Charlie? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I can say anything right now. Um, but like for me, it's like, okay, well, if that is my goal, there's a lot in my life that has to change to support that, right? Like I can't be sitting here going, I want to go and build a $100 million business whilst I'm going to try and start a family. Like I'm, I'll be, it's a ridiculous <laughs> point because it's like, well, you can't do both. Like you're either going to be a very present father or you're going to be a very present business owner. Like you can't be half pregnant on both. Like which one are you going to dive into? So it actually shows you what you're going to drive towards and what's almost like a what not to do list. It's like, well, okay, we'll just accept that this is what it's going to be and run sort of in this direction instead. Well, congratulations on the potential upcoming <laughs> pregnancy. <laughs> like and a what lot. a fantastic segue. So I, I don't want to harp on about goals too much because I think everyone does, um, they're aware of that as like that is the first step in most things. I would say the specificity of those goals is like many people will be listening to this right now 
going, oh, yeah, I know about goals, but if I asked them to show me their specific goals, they wouldn't have them written down. So yep. this is, I think, a really key thing here is that if you're someone where if I said to you, send me your goals and they're specific, that's when you'll know you're done. And if you're not, you you got to start there. So the second one, which you've kind of laid into a little bit here already, is the priorities, right? And we'll talk about this in a few different things. So there's there's time, there's money, and then I'm even going to say there's a layer with this, a, like level of priority or energy, energy. like doing yep. putting effort into this when you're at your best. You know, you can always put in a crappy hour at the end of the day, but are you going to give it the first hour of your day? Yep. All right. So do you want to kick this one off? Yeah. So. I was um I'm a firm believer of show me someone's calendar and I'll show you their priority, <laughs> right? Um, because for me, like when I wake up, what I do first in the day shows you what I'm working on. So if I care a lot about my health, which I have had seasons of that, Charlie, I was at the gym at 4:30 in the morning, all creatined up because I wanted to have a six pack shredded so that I could. I was in my 20s, I was to do 20 year old kind of guy kind of stuff. But then I've had seasons where it's like, no, I need to focus in on generating more profit in my business. And so what took that 5 a.m. spot in the morning? It was working on the business. It was how do I improve it? It was this have you, have you, I'm cutting in. I'm going to do Have you consciously always done that? Always. Or is that something you've like cultivated? Yeah. So interestingly enough, it came back to a weird childhood where my dad worked shift work. And so he was up at 4.15 and we lived in Gippsland, Victoria, and he worked in the city. So he would wake up super early, sort of get all these things done, and he'd be on a train into the city at like 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. and stuff like that, which meant that growing up, I inadvertently just became a morning waker. But then a lot of my previous business partners were ex-military, and so they woke up super early, et cetera. And um, what did my ex-business partner say? He used to always use the term of like, I will beat the enemies when they're sleeping. And so he always perceived that like waking up super early and getting everything planned and done in the morning and then starting the day when everyone else is starting their day is the way that he wins. And so everybody around me has always just kind of pushed this priority into my head. And so then inadvertently, like when I was 18, 19, I just started. <laughs> and it was the most important thing that you are deciding to do is always what's in the morning. And so I'll go through picks and troughs of education is the most important. Um, prepping for the team then kind of becomes the most important because I'm trying to get a, a solid working team is the most important thing for me. And so that is the way that I always prioritize what I do was in the morning before anyone else it, could to disturb him. It's interesting in the idea that it would be easy to confuse this as well. So if let's say you get up at five, you know, more reasonable than your, whatever you're doing, but it's like if you got up at 5 a.m., it would be easy to say that, you know, well, if I do business at 5 a.m., then like I'm prioritizing business, yeah, which right. you kind of are. But that's different yep. from leveling up. Totally. So, so it's like you would have to prioritize leveling up at business as the first thing or leveling up you to level up business, not actually doing the activity. So it would exactly. be very, very, very easy to confuse the idea that if you're wanting to level up in a bigger way, it might be spending the time on the education in the morning or with that mentor in the morning over just going and doing more of what you're currently doing. I, I love that. and. Completely concur. But it also goes to, uh, you brought up a good point around the mentors, which is like, where am I investing the money as well, right? Like if I'm focusing in on like education in order for me to level up, what type of education am I prioritizing, right? Like is it books? Is it courses? Is it programs? Is it, to your point, like a mentor? Maybe I have a call with a mentor super early in the morning. Like where am I allocating the dollars 
as a priority. Well, there's even layers to that, right? Did you buy the cheap book or the expensive book? <laughs> did you get the mentor who's the best at it or did you get the one you th- you think you can afford? Totally. It was funny. There was this great marketing book called The 16-Word Sales Letter by um, Alvado. And I remember when you and I were talking about it years ago um, and I sent it, I remember sending it to you and you're like, yeah, great book. And then I just sent it to someone else and it's like, dude, it's like 60 bucks. I'm like, what? <laughs> Well, I didn't even recognize that it was like a $60 book. And so they didn't buy it because it was a $60 book. And they just have this preface that every book should be like 15, 20 bucks. I, don't like- I, I didn't prep you for this question at all. How much do you spend on leveling up? Because I'm like, if you really think about it, because I know a lot about your life, let's not sugarcoat it. I know a lot. <laughs> this isn't a small part of your budget. No, no. So it, it's interesting. I've always articulated that I've got an infinite budget to improve myself because I am the reason I am where I am and I'll be the reason to be where I want to be, right? I'll get to where I want to get to. And the only thing between there and here is me, (laughs) right? So uh, did I've spent, I would argue each year, it would probably easily be above 10 grand, easily. And it probably be- I don't think you're even close. I think it's way more than that. It probably is. I'm probably being very cheap. (laughs) I'm trying to be like uh, relatable. Like- Here's an example. I'm looking at joining a mastermind that it's like 15 grand just sign up and there's like 15 grand a year. Like and that's that's like a thing that I'm evaluating in 2023. So in 2023, that alone would be like a 30 grand investment. And then everything else piled on top of that. <laughs> but yes, a lot. Well, I, I would – so for this point here of like priority, this is where I do think someone can apply some very logical thinking where it's like let's say you do have specific goals – and then you go on with a priority. If you're going to say, well, I normally would spend half an hour on leveling up. I'm going to spend an hour. I'm going to double the amount of the, the amount of time. Not only that, though, I'm going to make sure it's the best hour of my day. Whenever I'm the freshest and most attentive, could be morning, could be nights, whatever's right for you, I'm going to use that hour on leveling up. But then to take it even further, it's like, well, the quality of the leveling up. Yep. Like there's a big difference between, um, you know, like randomly searching shit on Google to, in the attempt of leveling up versus following a very specific um, program or course. So you can apply all three of them and make a significant difference there. So it just kind of hit me that it's like we do spend a lot on this, but maybe that's just a perception. We could spend more. Well, you know what's, you know what I find really interesting is like the calculation, the calculated way that we or the calculated process that we use in order to swing the bat once. I know the amount of conversations that you and I have on who is the perfect person, <laughs> like what is the perfect resource, who can we talk to that has gone through this change that would be able to direct us in the right direction as opposed to, ah, oh, someone told me to read this book, I'm just going to read the book. Like, <laughs> like the conversations around the what is the going to be the best quality was huge. Did- do you not feel that pressure though? I look at it and say, I, I might read. Um, so recently um, I've been able to start reading books again. So previously to my point, um, the last couple of years, I, my reading has fallen through the floor as kids. I used to read in the morning, Jack wakes up early. I've then elected to make Jack a priority over reading. I'm good with that decision, by the way. So, um, but in recent times, he's I'm getting up a little bit earlier. He's sleeping in and I've got my reading time back. I do look at it though when it's like, I'm like, oh, let's say I can read one book a month. That means I only get to read 12 a year. I've got to take that very seriously. Yep. Or whatever your cadence is, I'm just using that there. So I do put a lot of effort into researching the stuff I'm going to do because it's like I feel very 
you only get to read so many books. There's only so many mentors you get to take on. Yep. So mentor selection or book selection or course selection becomes a really important part of this, hugely important part of this. I, I could not concur more. All right, so we've, we've laid those ones down here, but um, I want to throw something else into this whole uh, sphere, willingness to change. <gasps> my favourite. Is it really? I, I, I hate it when this comes to being the point. You know, I always there's this one thing that I always ask someone. It's like, you know when someone has a cough and they feel sick and they go to Google and they start like diagnosing it and then if you go to like page eight, it's because you got cancer and like you look and it's like, see, I told you it was cancer and you're like, no, you Dude, just this went. is this hernia thing yeah. for me the other way. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Like, but. So what they do is that it's like they go for like confirmation bias. Like they just go like, I'm, I don't want to change. I don't want to the, – the uncertain is scary, Charlie. So what I'll do is I'll try and find the one person that says the answer that validates my opinion because I don't, it means I don't need to change. I'm like, see, I told you. Do you know what's particularly cruel about business? Like it's really cruel. What? <laughs> right, you spend years getting a business together. And then you finally get something to work, right? So, and I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for everyone, but I really struggled the first year in business. Like, I mean, immensely struggled and I wasn't making any money. I felt like absolute shit for having to live off Bianca's wage at a time. Like it was like a low point in my life because I was like, I feel like I should be providing. I'm a failure. Maybe I should throw this thing in. Business isn't right for me. And then through force and brute force i'll even say that i finally get something to work <clears throat> and then what do you think i do when i get something to work double down just keep doing that. i hold on to that <laughs> shit like my life depends on it don't go anywhere yeah i become incredibly protective of it like the you think i'm will you will not find a human on a planet sorry a human on the planet less willing to change than me <laughs> <laughs> right so i'm, I'm at this stage and then you start to get these little murmurs and whispers around the idea. It's like, hey, hey Charlie, have you ever considered that, you know, there's, you know, that you, you need to change something here to get to the next level? Like maybe what got you to here won't get you to there. So, and I'll use an example here. Just imagine the business you got to work was Yellow Pages ads. So you got something to work. You finally got Yellow Pages ads to work, right? You're, you're doing something with the Yellow Pages. Triple A. And the marketing. environment around you is coming down, right? So you can see around you, it's like, all right, this Yellow Pages thing's going to end, but you're clutching onto it. And then you finally get to this point, and this was like a really like bang moment for me, is like you have to keep being willing to change. Yeah. Like once you get something to work, you can't hold on to that. You have to be open-minded to it because it becomes the limiter. And for many people, it may not be as ex uh, exaggerated as that example. Their business may not end if they hold on to what they're doing, it's just that there's no more room for growth. Yep. Like wherever you're at today, that's it. There is uh, nothing more than that. And it, it's, it becomes even more challenging as well as for business owners because we are the ones that create the strive to change. It's not like our loving partners sit there and say, oh, you know you know why we're not making more money, Charlie? It's because you're, you're resistant to change. You're not trying to be better. No, what are, you, what are you talking about? Bianca's the motivator in my life. She, she, she'll look at a house and go, wouldn't it be nice if we lived on that street? And then I look at the price and be like, shit, I better get to work. <laughs> it's outrageously amazing. What if we but, have twins? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we did, but totally. Like, well, outside of <laughs> Bianca, 
Um, I guess maybe maybe the partners are the ones that are forcing us to earn more. I, I get you. But on Wait, that- didn't you just talk about your air conditioning bill? You're going to have to. And if you're going to, in the intro of this episode, you reference the idea that you're running that air con hard. You're going to have to work, Mr. Merrill. <laughs> it's, especially because we don't have solar panels. This is getting, this is getting horrific. I'm going to make more, Charlie. I'm going to make more. Um, but it's also like we are the ones that need to be so adaptive and supportive of this change. It's like if you're if you're not trying to level up in somewhere, you are trying to be comfortable. And then what happens is that a tidal wave will come out. Something will happen and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I wish I changed or holy smokes. But I would also argue there are a lot of people that I talk to that have had that have been on the same amount of revenue or the same amount of profit for a very, very, very long period of time. And it's because they're not trying to change. They're just doing more of the same. And they're like, Comfort's I don't mind. dangerous. Yeah, I don't mind Comfort's this. It's very dangerous. This, this, this revenue and profit's good, Charlie. Why would I want to change? What is this? This is... I've now got a lifestyle I've got to keep up. Hey, change is uncertain. Why do I want to risk this? Potentially, if I change something, it's going to make it worse. But potentially, if I change something, it's going to make it better. So it's like always on us as a business owner to instill that change, but also to run towards it. That's like a double-edged sword. It totally is. Because it's the risk of losing what you have when you change is phenomenal. Um, But then the other idea that comfort also like removes the need for change. Yep. And no one has to grow, right? The idea of that you have to level up in 2023, illusion. You do not. It's possible not to. It's even possible to go backwards if that's what you want. But if you've got these deep desires for things in your life, right, it's like what is it, that famous quote, if you want things in your life to change, then you have to change. Yep. So it's like I I looked at that, butchered that quote, by the way. No, I I support it. It's just like a full sponge. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But totally, let's jump on to the next one. All right. So the the next one on this list, again, I feel like all of these have been breakthrough moments in my life, but I'll I'll still read it out nonetheless. This is a therapy session, totally, for both of us. This is great. We're just letting out, airing out our dirty laundry. If you want to grow, you have to accept that you're not special. You are special though, Charlie. My mom said that exact thing to me on the weekend. You're my favorite, Charlie. So what do you mean by this? <laughs> what do you mean? A lot of people, my, not myself, I've only seen this in others, never in me, will come up with this idea that their circumstance is so special that what works for other people won't work for them. And they look right. for excuses as to why it won't work. Completely. So there'll be a book that someone will read and be like, this, we'll just use an example here, right? So imagine there's a weight loss book and there's a, you read this book and then it's like, here's the recipe to lose weight. Someone will then read that and go, oh, but that won't work for me because of X, Y, Z. Because i got a kid. You don't understand, Grant. My business is, is different, right? I, I've got this stuff going on and there's all this, like I, they, this couldn't work for me. And when you look at your circumstances as truly unique, Right, the mindset you take on with that is that well, none of the existing solutions will work. Yeah, because I'm too different. I just doubt that's true. <laughs> There's very few of us that are actually blazing a trail that hasn't been blazed before. <laughs> like we're literally all doing the same thing. But it's a limiter on growth, huge limiter on growth. Why? Why do you feel that is like a? So there's been this concept in a book that I think it was the psychology of money that has kept run, rerunning in my mind, which is fascinating, around how 
us as a society, we have solved a lot of problems before, right? Like there are a lot of solutions to generate more leads. There's a lot of solutions to save money in operations. There is a lot of solutions to all of these things. But for some reason, people believe that there is something else that they need to do, right? And like the the example in the book was making money. No one believes like it. Like they always try to find new ways to make money, right? Or generate more wealth. And they're like, but why? Like this, why is there no hard fast rule for this? So my question to you is like, why do you feel that in a society where math problems can be solved, science can solve other things, like there are solutions to almost every problem out there already existing. Why do you think the business owners always default to I'm unique, my situation is so specific that no one else has solved it before? Because if you're looking for evidence of that, it's easy to prove it. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, have you ever felt that you're different, Grant, because you're a business owner compared to people that work a job? Muggles, yeah. <laughs> I'm stop saying that. It's, I think it's highly offensive, but um, I'm with you. We are the magical people in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so you're different. And then I'll go, okay, so even compared to business owners, do you think you're different than business owners that are maybe in the USA? We are different, yes. All right, now you've got two layers of different. Now there's like, well, is your type of business different to other people's type of business? Well, especially because I think that I've got like a moat, some kind of unique sales proposition that would define me as unique. The answer would be yes. We're finding a lot of evidence here. So what about like we'll go even further and it's like, let's pretend there's someone in Australia that has the same type of business as you, but they did it 10 years ago. Well, they it's did a different now, Charlie. Why would anything they did work for you today then? It's exactly. a different time. The internet's here now. They didn't have the powers of the internet. They can't use the blockchain. No, they oh, don't get me started how they can't use blockchain. Did they have chat GP? I don't think so. No, 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 no. They didn't have any AI. So all of that leads you to believe in that case there that it's like, well, you are different. And truthfully, so you are. But the difference I look towards there is that it's an unhealthy proposition to take into growth because if you believe you're so different that none of the existing solutions will work for you then what chance do you have yeah because then if you because it also means that then you won't try anything which means then you won't change because you're looking for a silver bullet that doesn't exist can i go even further let's go deep matrix let's go deep in what i just said that would be tactic searching so yeah the tactics to grow a company would be very different today than they would be 30 years ago. Right? Go 50 years ago, make it even more different. It doesn't mean the principles below that wouldn't work. So sometimes when it comes to things, like we'll look to like the tactic and not the deeper levels of it. So we shut down this whole game that can be played in just go, well, that won't work for me. That won't work yep. for me. Like we've, And when we approach a solution to that, well, that mentor wouldn't work for me. That course wouldn't work for me. Again, we've just lost all growth. It's funny when you come back to what is the like, first principles to actually understand. Like, what, what do you mean that the world will stop wanting to lose weight, Charlie? <laughs> like, it, the second the world wants to stop losing weight, weight loss is another interesting one, right? They keep trying to find new ways, a new diet, a new thing to do it when it's like, you know, people have always been able to lose weight, right? Yeah, but, but people don't like, this has been fascinating in sort of the marketing world, people don't like blaming themselves for where they are. So it must be, it must be something else, Charlie. It must come back to me being special. It cannot be me not doing the thing or not eating healthy or not working out. Completely. 
eat something else because I am special. <laughs> it's funny, like picking this more apart always reminds me of the value of like first principles, of the value of coming back to like the the what the raw strategy versus tactic chasing. Like why? What is the <laughs> could I could I tell you a funny story of this one? Okay. All right. So when I was into um cycling and I'm racing bikes right so this is something I'm very very into one of the things I led myself to believe is like I'm quite tall I'm six foot I'll say I'm just under six three right and I used to build up all these reasons why a lot of cycling training wouldn't work for me because a lot of the guys are like tiny they're like five foot ten I got like man I was like 15 20 kilos heavier than a lot of these guys so I would like look at all training for the hills it's like, well, that won't work for me because I'm I'm taller and heavier than everyone else. So I have to do this differently. Do you know what worked really well for me? Doing what they were doing. Doing what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How funny. Yeah. So it's like I was just avoiding it because I sucked at it. Okay, no, 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 I need I need like some special training. Yeah. Because I'm like taller. Like maybe there's a posture. Like you know, I got like I have to say, my, like just ridiculous. Human beings are weird. And I, yeah, it's so funny how we justify those kind of behaviors. And because it it's so true, like we apply our personal situation and assume that a, a blanket apply all is not even worth us trying. Like we just like poo-poo it before we even try it. But yeah. So what you're telling me is I'm not special, Charlie. That's good. You're not. Neither am I. But we are at the same time. Don't misuse the context. <laughs> Right, let's jump into the next point here. Um, I look at this one as a, I really dig this one. This this might even be my favorite one on the list here, Grant. Is that because I made it? Or I'm going to put it down to a point. Do shit. <laughs> Do the thing. <clears throat> All right, unpack it for us. Okay, so uh, I'll use an investing example here. So Bianca and I did uh, development. So we separated uh, – sorry, we did a splitter, I think it's called technically. Don't come after me or you property people with your exact terms. You know, we took one block of land and we turned it into two. Split. Context. Gotcha. Now, I look at it and go that a really powerful way to level up is just to do the thing. So when Bianca and I placed ourselves into a situation where we purchased a property and now we had to do the development, we were forced to level up and learn all these things about development by doing something. And I think that a lot of people spend a time learning about a subject and trying to get good at it before they do anything. But really, they could have leveled up in a much faster way by doing it and forcing yourself into those learning environments. So I, it's incredibly powerful. You're almost laughing <laughs> as we go. What is it, Grant? What's the story? I know you're reliving something. <laughs> so, like, as, as you say this, um, all right, I'm, I'm going to share and then you have to share. All right, so okay. weird ways that you have forced yourself into an environment of just doing the thing, right? Like, so, so here you go. So two things that I've done. Actually, no, I'll start off with one. So one of the first things that I've done was sell the thing before I'm ready to deliver it. <laughs> like get the money in the door. I'm not sure I ethically agree with that as a concept, but I will say <laughs> I can understand it. And this is like, oh my God, I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to figure this thing out now. Quick, 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 quick. All right, let's like, pull the team together. Let's do the thing. Now- Obviously not in an unethical way. Like obviously it's like, hey, like we can totally do this thing. But that was one way that I just forced myself into doing the thing. So I was just delaying coming out with services. And I was like, oh, I just want to refine it. I want to build processes. I want to build a team. I want to do all these things. I was like, just bloody sell it 
And as you're delivering it, refine it and improve, refine it and improve. And it's going to take you some time to figure it out. But yes, eat the glass. You will learn more what works, what doesn't work and do it. Like, so I'm curious, like, how have you forced yourself to do the thing? I've got a long list here. <laughs> I'll give you some obvious. So the development one is a true story. That's a, that's a great one. Yeah. yeah. So again, um, being very powerful. I, I'm not necessarily going to advocate people get into development um, to learn it though. I think there is an education piece. I have a, like I was a plumber, right? I do have building experience and know how to do a lot of stuff in the building world, which gave me a bit of an advantage. So I wouldn't recommend launching into development and buying a property without some skill. <laughs> anyway, other ones is like, if I look back to earlier in this year, like why did I get good at TikTok ads? I didn't actually have a desire to be good at TikTok ads. It came from a problem. So when Facebook was hating on me, I was forced into an environment where it's like, well, I have to learn something different here. Otherwise, this could be detrimental to the business. So sometimes problems will create this as well. Um, I think it's really fascinating. Um, Bike racing. I just signed up and did a bike race and I learned so much from that. It's like when you're forced into the environment of actually racing, your world changes. I thought I knew how to ride a bike. Turns out I, I did not. But that, that was my, my second one was like people with like, – I know people have done uh, weightlifting and so they would just like sign up for the competition like six months prior and like – oh, The marathon people. Exactly. They were the next ones, like the Melbourne Marathon guys. And it's like they sign up. Like they have this one gusto – and this comes back to my next point. They have this one sort of flurry of like motivation. Like, oh, my gosh. And like at that point – sign (laughs) they just put your name down and then just commit to it and i so i find like putting yourself into a situation that within reason right like obviously what i'm talking about selling something have some kind of level of awareness on your ability to deliver it right my point was like not trying to over perfect it but just try and do the thing to get the feedback on improving the thing to get the feedback on improving like surrounding yourself or build putting yourself into an environment of leveling up of like what do these people do and the two layers right you can either put yourself into those environments eg we bought the house or you can you will notice in your past like look back there's been times where you've been forced into a situation where you had to level up i don't think it changes it like you can go either way here like either place yourself or have them come to you but it is a forced mechanism from for growth with environment it's like it's like clients like when when i've had clients cancel uh previously it's like why and they'll provide feedback. And I'm like, oh, like we were, had these deficiencies. Greatest feedback. And again, I'm in that environment of constantly improving. And I'm supportive of change. I'm not a full sponge. Would well, you know what my favorite one on this is? And thinking about this now, competition between you and I. Oh, so good. That competitive environment does definitely, like I do things that I wouldn't normally do just to make sure that you don't ever beat me in anything. How are those Bulgarian squads going? Fantastic. <laughs> For, for context of anyone who wants to make sense of that point, Grant's dealing with some uh, leg muscle imbalances. He's trying to strengthen up both of his legs, so you train them individually. I just started doing it just to make sure that uh, – not that I have an imbalance I'm dealing with. I just wanted to make sure that he didn't beat me at that. First message was like, what weight do you have and how many reps do you do for your Bulgarian squats? <laughs> Take that. <laughs> All right, let's jump to the next point here. So um, environment, really powerful one. Next one on the list here is being open to feedback. Yeah, like me saying I do eight kilo kettlebell bogger in squats. <laughs> and then Charlie's sitting there going, what I got, like what, 
10 each hand, so like 20. And I'm like, well, that's good feedback that I need to keep pushing. What are you doing differently? How did you get to that point? <laughs> and there you go. It's my feedback. I don't think anyone enjoys having their flaws and areas where they're not doing well really like pointed out. And even when someone's doing it gently, it's still not fun for someone to highlight where you're not doing well in an area. I don't enjoy it. Do you enjoy it? No. I, I, I doubt there's a student alive that got like an 80% on an exam that they really tried for and they're like, yes, I got an 80%. <laughs> He's going to tell me every, every word that I need to improve. It's more like yeah, it's much more enjoyable to get praise, right, to hear you great at something or you did a good job. It's never fun to hear, oh, you did shit at this and here's why. Or that the reason that you didn't do well is because of you. Because usually it's everyone else's fault, Charlie. It's not my fault. Air conditioning well, being a victim cold. has its time, Grant. It can be fun. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah, so as much as we don't enjoy those moments, I do enjoy that it shows me what to do next. Mm. I do. And there's... Something where I look at it and go, if I knew how to be great at this, I would be. So clearly there's something missing within that that I can improve at. But if I have no awareness to that, how does that ever get solved? So when you can receive really critical feedback, it can make such a difference. And I'll give you an example here. Um, I recently had my emails reviewed by someone who's very good at email marketing and Don't get me wrong, I expected a level of criticism. But when I got into the level of criticism, I felt shit. (laughs) I felt so shit. I was like, oh, this is like, this sucks. And like, it hit me hard. And it took me a couple of days to get over it. Throw throw the toys out of the cot. Ah, Yeah, because I care. I put a lot of effort into these emails. Like, I take the emails I send to this audience very seriously. By the way, get on the email list. That's, see that little plug there as well, Grant? Well, if they, wanted um, to, if they wanted to see the improvements, they would have to be. I yeah. think if someone went back to the first ones, to the more recent ones, there has been some improvement. I can go. But to have someone go through and just show me all the ways these emails aren't at the gold standard, aren't at the top of the game, I would just be like, it was brutal. But it provided such an environment for growth for me. Suddenly, I was more motivated. I could see things. This was going to enhance the way I leveled up, and I will think my emails have improved since that feedback. Uh, I I love this one, and I think it for me, most of what I do when it comes to feedback really align realigns to the goal that I've set. Right, like for example, us doing our <laughs> crazy health challenges to compete against each other every single time. The- wait, wait, wait. So I don't, guys. We're leveling this up next year. The health <laughs> challenges and planning for health challenges next year. Yes. Bringing you on the journey. Shit's getting competitive. Keep going. It is. I might have been talking to people on the weekend about it. <laughs> it might have might be there. Um, but when before I get started, it's like, what are the what is the way that I'm going to track in order to get the feedback so that I can go and try and find the problem? So when we did our, our running challenge, like the first thing I installed was Strava because that was the thing that was going to give me a feedback loop to know if I was improving or not improving because it was the best feedback that I could have. Uh, in like business, it's like the financials. Like, is the profit increasing or is the profit not increasing? Where in the past, and I'm again just shitting on myself on this one, dude. Like most of the time, where I haven't wanted to see the feedback, I just wouldn't look. Where like now, like when I wake up, negligence is a great strategy, dude. Like, just ignore <laughs> it. Like, it's like ah, I know it's gonna be shit anyway. Just whatever. I just won't won't look. Like now, every single day when I wake up, I'm looking at my sleep stats. 
I'm like, I'm like keen on improving that stuff because I need the feedback. Like, what did I do yesterday that meant I slept like shit? What did I do yesterday that meant that I ran like crap this morning? Like it was those feedback loops are the way that I can continue to iterate and improve or at least provide to someone else where they're like, I've seen this before. This is the reason. These are like the private feedback loops though. So if it's checking your sleep score or your PL or your Strava, well, the Strava is semi, right? Because other people can see it. But I would say that it's like you get to review them with you. Yep. And you're doing the guidance. The feedback from, let's say, a mentor in this example, where it's someone else criticizing you directly, can, I would, for me, has been much more challenging to confront. Right? Like, I don't care when someone leaves a comment or a YouTube video and it's like, well, what would you know? So it's, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, actually some of the feedback on the YouTube video has been really good. I was going to say, I'm like, there was not that many of them, but yes. But like, I'm not going to take that as critically as someone who's like been really good at the thing and I've paid for their advice when they say it, you take it way more seriously. Yeah. Cause it's also like they are tailoring the solution. Like they, it's, it's like, well, you didn't hit your revenue goal or your profit, we'll call it your profit. You did not hit your profit goal. And like, so in my feedback example, it's like, well, I didn't hit my profit goal. When you've got like a mentor in your example, it's like, this was the reason, try this instead. And you're like, interesting. Okay. And so then you implement that. Again, you have the feedback loop and they're like, yeah, I've seen this before. Try this one next. And you're like, ah, oh, no way. So if someone wanted to level up in 2023, introducing stronger feedback loops and where you get your feedback from. And being willing to take that on board, absolutely a factor of growth here. Completely. People who do that well will grow more. And it's not by luck. It's by pure because they're actually the one doing the thing. All right. Last one. Let's do it. You go. You go go for it. Finding the gold standard. All right. Unpack. Unpack. So something I do whenever I'm trying to improve at something, and I'll keep this on the email one since it's very relevant for me at the moment. If I'm trying to improve and get growth at something, a huge differential is knowing what the end product looks like. So if I'm, in this example, trying to make sure that the emails I send out with these podcast episodes are worth reading, if I don't know what the end product of that looks like, it's so hard to measure or or get anything from that. So what I did is I subscribed to five email newsletters that are really good. I perceived them as good. And if I could write at this level as like the goal, I would be very happy with that. So something I do every week is I'll open one of my emails and then I'll open their emails and compare what they do against what I do. So in doing this, I find I learn a lot. I find in being able to make those comparisons, I can see if I'm grasping concepts or where I can do better. It's kind of a feedback loop in itself. It's just that it's a different type of feedback loop. It's more like a type of comparison, right? Yep. It's comparison, but I call it finding the gold standard. So if you apply this to every area of your life, if you wanted to, uh, for example, have a physique like someone, you got to know what the physique is. So you can say, well, where am I lacking so I can make the change there? Or if you wanted to uh, drive more profit in your business, you need to know what a business that drives that type of profit looks like so you can make that comparison. Yeah, I am, I've seen it so many times. One, one of the biggest things that I've always said is if you're wanting to show a student how to be successful in an exam, give them a successful exam. <laughs> like It's like, well, uh, here's an exam and this is what success looks like. 
outside of showing you how to do the thing, which is what we've just done for the entire year leading up to the exam, uh, you think you got everything that you need in order to be successful? <laughs> it's like the comparison where they go, well, this one, I got 80% and this one got 100%. Now I can compare to, to see what the difference is. And without that comparison, you've got this 20% where you're trying to guess of like, how do I make this, the final 20%? The comparison is the key. And so, uh, and I've seen this uh, a couple of times. Uh, a previous business partner of mine loved kite surfing. And the first thing that he did was he bought a kite surfing and then he was on YouTube pausing, playing, pausing, playing to see where everybody's, like all the pros' feet where they were positioned on the board, where they were holding the kite, when they'd like pull down their arms when they were going to do a jump. And he was just like looking for patterns between them. And then he just went out and did the thing. He's like, I'm just looking to see what they do versus my own sort of style that I've implemented. And that was the difference. And then he's like, and then he had a mentor that just said, oh, and try this as well. I'm like, I really want to highlight a point on this one because I think it would be easy to be confused. If you would do a course on kite surfing, yep. right? you might go through and they have these modules and they show you how to you know, set up your kite board or your kite or whatever it is. And it's like, it's a learning experience where you go through the steps. That's very different than watching someone who's the best in the world at kite surfing and like, what do they call it? Meta-analysis. Met, yes. Where you're watching how the pros do it. I love the idea of doing both. I think the ability to do both in an area where you want growth could be huge. So if you want to be a very successful property investor, it's one thing to do a property investment course, but to in to uh, look at how the people who have been successful are doing things, it adds another layer to this as well. It's, it's not just the, yeah, the skill, uh, attaining the skill is different from watching the person and doing it through meta-analysis as well. Because you couldn't have an or, like you couldn't just assume that you're going to be, be very good at developments by watching the gold standard because there's so many layers that you need to understand in order to get there. It's like just because they, I don't know, built two stories and they built, I don't know, four units. doesn't mean that if you just went and built two stories and four units anywhere, it's going to work, <laughs> right? There are so many other layers as to why they got there. However, understanding that and learning that and then seeing what they've done as an outcome, applying those two at the same point, that is, that's where the goal is significantly unlocks. I'll tell you an industry that does this very well is marketing. You will notice that there's even like funnel hacking is a term Right. Or like I used to quite, and even still to this day, is like deconstructing other people's Facebook ads. Yeah. You know, there's another industry, uh, golf, does this very well, where people will learn the, how to like swing the club, but then they'll go and see like a deconstruction of like Tiger Woods swing. Like, and that's what he does. And like everyone just analyzes it. I'm not sure you can compare to Tiger, man. He's a beast. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just put it out there. I get, I get I mean, you though. The, the point is standard. valid. The point is valid. Yeah, the gold standard. Uh, I, I love that point. All right. Well, I think we should wrap this one up. It's a, it's a turn into a longer episode than I expected, but to the point, just fascinating. I'm going to recap it. Number one, clearly defined goals. That could be the limiter on your growth in 2023 alone. If you're not clear and specific, probably not going to grow as much as you could. Number two, how much time you actually put into golf. Oh, not golf. Growth. I don't know why you've confused yeah. me now. I'm thinking ah. about Tiger Woods. Yes. Um, how much time you've put into growth versus actually doing the thing? Yeah. 
So how many how many hours a day did you spend getting better at the thing versus doing the thing? Huge, huge in it. Um, and, and the layer between that of like willing to accept change, Grant, willing to accept change. The acceptance that you're not special. So if you've built yourself a fortress of thinking you're so unique that nothing will work for you, then it won't. And that's a, that's a real mindset point, but still so critical and a trap I've laid for myself many a time. Um, environment. Can you put yourself into situations intentionally where you can force the growth? Like Bianca and I bought the property to do the subdivision. Uh, that was the way we were going. We learned a lot from that. We grew a lot from that. Feedback, being open to feedback. If you can't take the criticism of the areas you want to grow, you, you're not going to grow. You will limit the growth there. I shouldn't say you're not going to grow. You might grow a little bit, but I think you would grow much faster if you can incorporate good feedback. And then last one is having a good point of comparison. Like what's the gold standard at the things you're trying to grow at? That was, gr- that was a great summary. I'm still surprised <laughs> this uh, why, uh, how you can always get better and it's like you being the limiter is like the, the key way to level up in, in 2023. I'm um, still surprised we didn't just come out and just say read more books and uh, get a mentor, Charlie. Would have made the- Should we say that now? <laughs> no, because it will just dissolve absolutely everything else. Like there is no, no, so you've many- you got to improve your network as well. <laughs> got that one. You just join another network. That's the difference. Uh, don't you love it when you can start being the sage, looking back and just going, these are the things that you actually need to think about before you go and do the tactics. <laughs> like Layers. Totally. For everyone who's listening to this, if you're sitting there going, damn, that was a great episode and holy smokes, these guys covered some really good points, join the emails newsletter and uh, we'll let you know every single time we drop some of these awesome, powerful emails uh, and episodes. And by the way, just make sure you reply back to them and let Charlie know, how are you leveling up in 2023? Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your details and uh, yeah, just communicate with us. We love hearing from you. I just want to say thank you again to yourself, Charlie. Thanks to everyone who's listening and we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Business and Investing.